started a, a series a few weeks ago. We've been talking about the Word of God and the words of God. And I know I keep on referring to the Scripture over and over and over, but uh, Psalm 107.20, He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. He sent His Word. How did He heal them? With His Word. Okay, His words are filled with healing power. That's what Proverbs 4 tells us to make sure that we're putting the, uh, the Word of God before our eyes, that we're thinking on the Word, we're speaking the Word, confessing the Word, using the Word of God to build our imagination, not the sickness, not the problem, okay, but using the Word of God to imagine ourselves the way God says to imagine ourselves. That's controlling our thought life. And the Bible says if we'll do those things, those words, those words of God will be life to us and healing to all our flesh. And it's something that we need to hear over and over and over because the challenges of life come. Things are going to happen. Difficulties are going to occur, just like we're going to talk about tonight. And the Word of God is the answer. And that's not just a a beautiful-sounding phrase because you'll hear people say, the Word of God is the answer. No, really, the Word of God is the answer. It is the answer to every single challenge you could come across in life the word of god and so i was thinking tonight as i was just kind of thinking about what we were talking about and uh, i haven't talked about faith in the sense of like teaching on the subject of faith directly but i was thinking about the scripture faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen faith Another version says this. It says, faith is giving substance to the things hoped for. Well, what's the thing hoped for? Well, in this case, we're talking about healing, right? So healing is the thing that we hope for. Now, hope in itself does not produce. What produces? I just told you. Faith is giving substance. What substance? Material. Whatever it is you need. I mean, whatever that substance is, faith is giving substance to the thing I hope for, okay? And so, faith comes from what? The Word of God. The Word of God produces faith. The Word of God is faith, and the Word of God produces faith. And that Word, that faith, will cause whatever it is we need to manifest in this physical realm. And so, Healing itself is a spiritual thing, if you will, a spiritual material that we want to reach out in this physical realm. We reach into the spirit realm by faith, and we pull that thing that we need out of the spiritual realm and bring it into the realm of reality, the realm that we're living in, the physical realm. And that's how we get our healing. We go to the Word. We walk by faith and not by sight, right? And so... All these things are just good things to just kind of rehearse and meditate on as we're going along with these things. Every message that we're talking about on Wednesday is what? It's building our faith. It's increasing our faith. It's doing good, okay? It is doing good. And if you'll be persistent about it like we've been talking about Sunday mornings, you'll see it produce even more, amen? How many are good ground? All right, we're good ground, right? We, want it, we were fruit-producing soil, amen? Well, how many of you know that trouble will come for you in life? You don't have to look for it. <laughs> trouble 
will come all on its own is what I'm trying to say. There are some people that go out there and look for trouble, but I've found in my life anyway that I don't have to go looking for it. It will come find me. Jesus told us that while we're on this earth, while we're in these physical bodies, that the storms of life will come. And you, like I said, you didn't necessarily do anything to cause them. Don't immediately, just because a bad thing happened in your life, think, oh my gosh, where did I miss it? <laughs> because how many know the storms of life came against Jesus? He had difficult times. He had hard and challenging times. Here's the deal, though. Jesus said that if we would be hearers of his word and doers of his word, that not only will we go through the storms of life, but we would be victorious over them. How many believe Jesus was victorious over every challenge? Every challenge. And so um, he is a good example to us, that if we walk the way he walked, we walk by faith, we walk according to the word, that we're obedient to the word, we're listening to the word, and we're active doers of the word, we too will be victorious no matter what challenge comes our way. Well, sometimes challenges that attack us seem to, to sideline us. And what I mean is you, you weren't expecting it. It just came out of the blue. A very bad report or an evil report. You're just moving along and boom, you get hit really hard. What I want to talk about tonight is what do we do when those kind of things happen? And those things happen, of course, in the realm of health in our bodies. We could be going along and all of a sudden maybe an injury took place or through an accident or of some sort of sickness and disease. Maybe we ate the wrong thing, drank the wrong thing. Something didn't, you know, uh, just doesn't agree with us. In other cases, it may be just a sudden evil report, you know. You had this little minor, itty-bitty little pain or discomfort, and then you find out from the doctors it's something far more serious than that. In fact, it could be life or death. Well, what do we do? How do we respond to that kind of thing? And if we haven't had that happen it probably will at some point in our life, whether it be about us directly or maybe it's a, you know, a relative or a friend that uh, gets in an accident and now they're facing a life-threatening injury or perhaps they get an evil report about cancer or some other type life-threatening thing uh, they weren't expecting. It just hit them out of the blue. They're just going through life and boom. In some cases, we could even be going through the middle of a challenge even right now. And we're going along, and we're doing the right things. And what I mean is we're going through this challenge, but we believe God's going to give us the full victory over it, and we're, we're already prayed, we are in faith, and we're believing all is well. That's our confession. And then again, we get sidelined out of the blue with something else on top of it. Well, how do we handle those kind of situations? What do we do? See, the fact is, these things, these evil reports come to threaten your faith and try to overwhelm you with fear. And I want you to listen to this carefully. I've said this before, but whatever sudden difficulty that you face in life, your response through the power of words to that sudden evil report is critical to your success or failure. You need to understand that you have as big a part to play as the enemy did coming sidelining you and how you're going to get out of this situation. And you can't just say, well, I'll just leave it up to the Lord. Whatever it will be, will be. Man, the devil's going to run you over. If you, if you have that kind of attitude, you are already setting yourself up for destruction and failure. How many believe God is a good God? 
He's never setting us up for failure. He's always doing everything he can to help us be successful in life. He's already paid the price. And then by the Holy Spirit and through his word and the good teaching of his word, what does he try to do? He's helping us equip us so that we can deal with the challenges of life. Well, I want to look at a story in the Bible where just such a situation happened. And it was between a father and his daughter. So if you go in your Bible with me, I want everybody to look with me. Um, Mark chapter 5. In this story, we see something very, very important that, believe it or not, again, if you haven't already faced something like this, you will. (laughs) It'll happen. And it is so vitally important in how we react to the situation. But Mark chapter 5 We're going to start with verse 21. Mark 5, verse 21. By the way, don't close Mark 5, okay, when we're we're done reading this a little bit. Verse 21. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. So you can picture he's got this huge crowd following him the minute he gets off the boat. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus, by name. And when he saw him, Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. And again, the word throng just means he was being overwhelmed, crowded, being touched by, you know, there could have been hundreds, maybe thousands of people trying to get to Jesus. So I'm sure it took some effort for Jairus just to get to Jesus. But he got to Jesus, and Jesus was willing. I imagine that Jesus, you know, Jesus, isn't it wonderful that every time we see someone ask Jesus, what's Jesus' answer? Yes, I'll come. I'll do this, or whatever it is they need. That's his answer to you and me. That is the reason the Holy Spirit has that in the Bible, so that you and I can see. He doesn't say, well, we'll see. Let me check my schedule. (laughs) He's always on our side, isn't he? He's always wants the best for us all the time, and he's willing to do his part. He's willing to step out and say, yeah, I'm busy. i got a lot of things going on, as you can see by the crowd but I will come. Why? Well, I believe that this man was in faith. He clearly said, come and lay your hands on my daughter that she may be healed and she will live. He had a very direct confession here, didn't he? He was very clear in his objective. He knew that if Jesus gets to his house, his daughter's going to be fine. He knew it. He had faith in Jesus. Now, where does faith come from? Hearing and hearing the word. So obviously, He had been paying attention to what was going on with Jesus. Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He apparently heard stories and he maybe saw the results of this and he knew that if I can get to Jesus and get him to come to my house, my daughter's going to be fine. But we need to understand that his daughter was already given a death sentence. That his daughter, maybe he was told by the doctor, hey, go get your affairs in order. There's nothing else we can do. She's dying. So he's desperate, and he goes to find Jesus, and he does. And Jesus said, uh, sure, I'll come with you. And they started moving towards him. Well, just in the process of this, this is where we run into the story that we went over last week with the woman with the issue of blood. That as Jesus 
and this big old crowd is heading towards Jairus' home, the woman with the issue of blood comes on the scene. So we have Jesus again heading to Jairus' house, and we have the woman with the issue of blood kind of halting things, so to speak. In other words, how many believe Jairus wants to get to his house as fast as possible? All right, he wants now. Let's go now. He was probably helping to break up the crowd, anything he could to let's get moving. And then all of a sudden, the whole crowd, something slows down because what happens? The woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus. Remember, Jesus stops and he says, Who touched me? And we have that whole thing going on. So time is taking place, right? The, Jesus is giving, Jesus, that doesn't mean that what's going on with Jairus isn't important to Jesus. Okay, I don't even believe at that moment Jesus knew um, how dire the situation is. I mean, unless the Lord, unless the Lord through the Holy Spirit spoke to him, he was just on his way to do exactly what Jairus asked him to do, and they get slowed down. And in the middle of the situation, the woman, of course, was persistent, and guess what? She got her healing right. But she begins to explain her healing, and I'm sure the whole time. <laughs> Jairus isn't saying anything, but what do you think he's thinking? Let's move on. Let's go. Okay, it's great. She got healed. Let's, <laughs> you know, he's probably thinking in his mind, I think this is all wonderful, but his mind is focused on his daughter. Okay. And so we have this situation, and I'm sure it's making Jairus anxious. Can you imagine how he feels? He's not saying anything, but what would your thought life be like? All you did was get these bad, evil reports, and you're constantly occupied in your mind. Remember, he wasn't taught the word and faith and how to control our thoughts like we are. He's just a guy who believed that Jesus, if he'd get to his daughter, his daughter would be healed, she'd be fine. But think about the thoughts that are going through. Think about the devil just hassling him. And this whole time, he hasn't said anything. And then, if he didn't already have a bad report with his daughter, now he's having a double whammy. In other words, he gets sidelined by something that is the last thing he wants to hear. And if you look at verse 35, Mark 5, verse 35, talking about Jesus, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Consider those words that Jairus heard. I can't even imagine what he was going through at that moment. I mean, think about in just a split second, he probably didn't even hear the rest. Don't bother the teacher. Your daughter is dead. I'm sure his world stopped, so to speak, in his thought life. I'm sure he didn't hear the crowd probably, he didn't hear anything else other than your daughter is dead. Can you imagine for just a moment what that would be like? I mean, to hear how many believe dead's dead. In other words, even though we know God can do great things, <laughs> when the world says someone's dead, when the doctor pronounces death over someone, it's kind of final, isn't it? I mean, it's over. And unless you have a word from the Lord, <laughs> or you've got the faith to raise someone up, it's, it's final. And in his case, 
I'm sure Jairus wasn't thinking of his daughter being raised from the dead, necessarily. I'm sure he was thinking, it's over. In other words, hope was just drained, so to speak, from his thought life in a split second. And I really do believe that all this, if you just kind of were to slow time down, I mean, just, um, did you ever have something happen to you and it felt like that? Like time just slowed down. It was so bad and so wrong that it, it, it just felt like the moment was forever and it was really only maybe eight seconds, you know, five seconds. Well, here in this case, this happens to him, but notice Jesus immediately responds to the bad report. Verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken. Notice how the Bible says that. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken. Do words have power? They do. They have power. Jesus knows it. And that power of life and death is in the balance now. Jesus is occupied Remember, because he was talking, remember, to the woman, and he was dealing with that situation, and then the report comes up, because the Bible says Jesus was still talking, but he hears these words. Instantly, instantly, he grabs Jairus' attention, and he says, do not be afraid, only believe. So those words, if you will, the evil report comes out and is hit by Jairus and Jesus and a few people in the crowd that could hear it. Your daughter's dead. Don't bother the teacher. It's over. It's, it's done. It's, it's, it's final. At that very moment when the words came out, before Jairus even had an opportunity to open his mouth, Jesus immediately deals with something here that we need to see that is very important to us and how to deal with with something like this in our life. He says, do not be afraid, only believe. Everybody say that with me. Do not be afraid, only believe. Now, what was he saying here? He was saying at that very moment, Jairus, resist fear. Resist it. Don't allow it to overtake you. He's saying refuse to fear. And he said, only believe. Now, Believe what? (laughs) Believe what at that moment? Believe what you already spoke. In other words, he already released his faith through his words. Remember when he told Jesus that she will be healed and she will live. In other words, Jesus is saying this, and I want you to listen closely because you're going to have opportunity where you're going along and you think you're doing pretty good, and the devil gives, he tries to do a knockout punch. He's, he's, he's going to try to see what you're made of. And so he throws out a real humdinger. And that humdinger, in this case, was pretty severe, right? This thing came at him. Now, was it the truth? Was it a truth? Your daughter is dead. They weren't lying, okay? Her pulse stopped, all right? She's not there anymore, all right? Your daughter is dead. That is a truth. Okay, I want you to get that. It is a truth, but how many believe there's a higher truth? What's that higher truth? God and his word. In other words, that's a truth, but there's a greater truth on the way. 
okay? But we have this situation where what Jesus is saying to Jairus when he said, don't be afraid, only believe. What he's saying is, Jairus, don't let go of your faith. Don't let go of it. Your faith has already wrangled what you want. In other words, picture a cowboy with a lasso, okay? And he's got his steer, and he's holding on to it, okay? He's already got it. His faith was already working. In other words, does his faith stop working just because of the evil report? No. Faith works independent of anything in the natural. It is a spiritual force. And he had a hold, so to speak, of what he was believing for. What is he believing for? That if Jesus gets to my house, my daughter is going to be healed and she will live. Don't let go of your faith, Jairus. Now here's the key. How do we let go of our faith in this case? The main way here would be by speaking fear-filled words. And that would be in our in the world that is normal and natural. And what we need to do is retrain ourselves not to do that. Because let me ask you this. When people receive bad news, what's the first urge they have? To talk about it, right? You call your friend, your mom, your sister, your brother, whoever, your husband, and blah, 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 blah. Am I right? That's the first urge. That is the, you have to talk about it. It's like, i got to get it off my chest. It's, it's heavy, and I have to talk about it. And see, here's the problem. <laughs> it's fear we're dealing with here. And that's what Jairus had an earful of. <laughs> here he is believing God, and he has hope, and there's light at the end of the tunnel. And all of a sudden, darkness comes along and tries to shove him right off. In other words, try to take him completely off balance. Do not be afraid, Jairus. Only believe. Don't let go of your faith by speaking fear-filled words. Which in that case, most of us would say, would you fault Jairus for saying something negative? You wouldn't pick on him. In fact, a lot of you might do the same thing. I mean, you can act like Mr. Holiness and Mrs. Holiness and faith and power, but I've heard a lot of things out of different people's mouths that didn't correspond with faith around here, and your life wasn't even in danger. How you doing? Oh, I'm getting by. Wow, that's, that's, that's a strong faith statement. Is that what you should be saying, I'm just getting by? No, you should be saying what? What the Word of God says about you. Real bold about it. But see, <laughs> as we're going to get into what you've been feeding yourself, what you've been putting inside yourself, and that's the first thing that's going to come out. How many of you cuss when you hit your finger? No one's going to raise their hand on that one, huh? But I bet you a number of you do let a word slip out that you ordinarily would never say. But see, it's deep down in there. You know what I'm talking about, and so we'll get to that in a moment. The fact is this. When people get bad news, their first urge is to talk about it. Talk about it, and talk about it some more. 
to call someone about the problem and just go on and on about it. Listen to me carefully. That is not resisting fear. That is embracing fear. That is bringing it right on in and it will completely take over. I want you to consider what J.R. has probably wanted to say. Think about it now. He hears his daughter is dead. Don't bother the master anymore. He probably wanted to say, it's over. It's too late. Jesus, if you wouldn't have stopped for this woman, my daughter might still be alive. Think about it. Let's be honest. I mean, those are the kind of things. Think about the rage he might have. Think about how he feels. I mean, his emotions were already on edge considering the whole situation about his daughter. And then he gets that news. And Jesus gives him instructions on, listen to me carefully, J. Iris. <laughs> Only believe. Stay with what you already promised. See, Jesus knew his faith would still work. It's still there. It's still active. But the moment he opens his mouth, and starts talking doubt and unbelief and fear, what did he do? He let go of his faith. And, well, we all know what would happen there. I want you real quickly to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And I want you to see something when it comes to words. How many believe worrying is kin to fear? (laughs) Worrying and fear are no different. They're just displayed a little bit. Differently, When we say fear, it seems like a real strong word, but when we say worry, that seems acceptable. <laughs> Remember, I've said to you this before, that aren't responsible parents supposed to worry about their children? Sounds good, doesn't it? When I say, yes, pastor, absolutely. I mean, if you really care about someone, you worry about them. And see, that's not what the Word of God says, okay? Worry is fear, okay? Worry is fear. They are related. You can't separate them. Now, I want you to see what Jesus said about it. In verse 31 of chapter 6, Matthew. Matthew six thirty-one. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? In other words, we're worried about meeting our needs. Anybody here ever been worried about your needs being met? Now, that may not be the way you live now, but there was a time that many of you ate up ulcers and, and or you know had ulcers or stayed up at night or whatever um, because of worry. Worry is fear, okay? It's just manifested in such a way that seems more acceptable to society. But it's still fear. What did Jesus say? Did Jesus say it was okay to fear? Over and over, the Bible tells us what? Do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, right? Don't fear. And then we have worry. He says, do not worry. Everybody say it with me. Do not worry. worry. Now, what did Jesus say here? Notice closely. He says, do not worry saying. Listen to me. Do not worry saying. And then what is he talking about saying in this case? What shall we eat or what shall we drink? In other words, in our case, how are we going to pay the electric bill or how are we going to pay the mortgage or where's the money going to come up from this or whatever the case is. You fill in the blank. But the fact is, he said, do not worry saying. Do not worry saying. How do we worry? Saying. In other words, we're releasing something when we say something about it. 
do not worry saying. Say it with me. Do not worry saying. Now, saying is what? Saying is speaking. Saying words. Worry is a thought, isn't it? Right? All it is is a thought until it is spoken. And when it's spoken, it takes on a whole new level. In other words, fear in itself, in a general thing, can just be a thought. But that thought has no power until it is spoken. Let me put it this way. Bring us back to Genesis 1. God said, right? And it happened, right? God said it happened. Were every single thing that God said something he thought about? Now, did anything happen with his thoughts? Nothing happened until God spoke a thought. And then power was released. It's the same thing in our life. Fear in the form of a thought is, don't get me wrong, we don't want them, and they're negative, but they won't harm us. That doesn't mean we should be meditating on, by the way. But if a fearful thought comes at me, doesn't harm me until I speak the fearful thought. Now I've given power to it. Remember Proverbs 18.21, life and death are in the power of the tongue. So in other words, what was Jesus saying there? Do not worry saying. In other words, what he's saying is the moment you say it, now you've given power to fear in your life. Now it's working against you. Now it really can accomplish something. And the sad part, it's using your own authority against you. Satan doesn't have any power. That's been stripped. He's got nothing in your life. But if you give him authority in your life by speaking fear-filled words, now he's got something to work with in your life. Do not worry saying or do not fear saying. Again, fearful thoughts cannot harm you. And Jesus immediately sensed in Jairus with those words, hey, listen, (laughs) resist that fear. How does he resist the fear? Just believe. In other words, what he's saying is, don't open your mouth. Don't open your mouth. I've shared this with you several times, but back uh, when my middle daughter, Allison, was born, we had some issues, some very significant bad issues. Um, uh, Bad enough that they were talking about possibly months and so on in the hospital. And... The, I remember the first thing I did was I removed all voices out of the situation. I removed everybody, every relative out of the room, and I didn't say anything to Lisa. Honestly, we just cried. Why? Because I was emotional. This is my baby daughter. I haven't even hardly seen her yet. And I mean, I'm getting all this crushing news about what's going on, so I just hugged my wife and wife. I'm not going to be afraid that I cried. Dear Lord, I mean, what kind of man, what kind of dad would I be if I was unbothered by the situation? And so, but see, I was smart enough to know this. (laughs) Fear not, only believe. In other words, I kicked everybody out so I wouldn't hear one negative thing. Man, I didn't hear, need to, is everything okay? I didn't need to hear that garbage. So I kicked everybody out and everybody. And my wife and I just hugged her. We cried. I said, now let's just quit this blubbering, Okay. 
Let's quit this and let's get in faith and let's get in agreement on what we can believe for. See, not one negative word ever came out. Why? I stopped it right off the bat. I recognized fearful thoughts coming at me and so I chose to clam up. That's why I did the crying to get it out of the way. I clammed up. I didn't see, isn't that what Jesus was telling Jairus? In essence, he was saying, don't fear, resist the fear, shut up, just believe. Don't say a word, don't speak a fearful word, don't agree with what just happened, just believe. In other words, Jesus didn't give up hope. He still had the the faith that he released, just believe. You already spoke it, don't let go of it. Do you know how many people I'm around who will let go of their faith? They did real good and they're doing good and then the devil did a one-two on them and then they say, I don't know why this stuff doesn't work for me. Or they won't say that in front of me because I'm the pastor. But they'll blab that way to everybody else. I don't know why God would put me through all this stuff. I don't know why my faith doesn't work. I don't know why. And they'll say all this and I walk in, yes, pastor. You know, and all of a sudden they put this facade on. They're not being real. How do I know they're not being real? Because I'm not hearing life-giving words coming out. I'm not hearing faith. I'm not hearing anything. And so I know they've been griping and they've been complaining. They just don't want to say anything in front of me. You know what? I'd rather be honest. I mean, if you've been shooting your mouth off and saying dumb things, then why don't you just come clean and just say, Pastor... I know you've been praying for me, we've been agreeing, and I haven't been agreeing. I've been complaining and griping. And so what we'll pray and say, well, Lord, you, let's, let's counteract those words. I'm not going to pick on anybody. Man, sometimes when life comes at you, we blow it. I blow it. Everybody blows it. So don't ever be afraid to admit you blew it. If you blew it, you blew it. No big deal. Let's move on from there. Everybody's so afraid that someone's going to pick on them. No one's going to pick on anybody. Amen? We're family, guys. I mean, I, I mean, if someone makes a mistake, then let's get cleaned up, fix it, and get back on the saddle. Amen? And get it going in the right direction. But anyway, the fact is, our words are very, very important in a situation like that. Now, we know what J.R.S. did, right? He didn't say anything. He kept his mouth shut. He just held on to what he already believed. And then we know Jesus got to the house, and <laughs> it was a bad situation. Everybody's whining and crying because the girl's dead, and, and so on. And Jesus said, she's just sleeping. You know, <laughs> how many believe that Jesus knew? She wasn't naturally sleeping, okay? But see, he wasn't going to tolerate all this, and he, he only let a few of the disciples come with him. Why? Because he wanted to control what was said, and he needed them to see. And he comes in there. You don't need to turn here, but he says... Something real simple. He took the child by the hand and said, Talitha Kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. And the Bible says, immediately the girl arose and walked. So she was raised from the dead and healed. Talk about double whammy. Think about it. If she didn't get healed and you raise someone from the dead, they just die again. (laughs) So you need a working of miracles along with the gifts of healing. I need to teach on that. It's been a while I taught on that. But some people don't realize that. If we don't get the, if we don't get the healing and they get raised from dead, they'll just die again. <laughs> you know, you got to get it both done. Amen? Now listen, the fact is Jairus' faith worked. He never let go of his faith. How would he have let go of his faith? If he would have started speaking fear, 
faith-filled words. That's a lesson for us. Listen, if Jairus would have spoken how he felt and how bad it was, we wouldn't be reading about this wonderful example of faith. I must say part of that again. Listen carefully, because I'll, I'll hear people say, you just don't understand, Pastor. You just don't get it. No, my response to this is you just don't believe the word. You don't believe God's that big, because they'll start mouthing off saying, well, faith just doesn't work for everybody. Everybody can't be a man of faith and power like you are. You know, doesn't mean it works for everybody. Is God a respecter of persons? No, no. We learn that on these Sunday mornings. Your response to his word will determine your outcome in life, right? Your response, not my response, your response to his word. But listen carefully. If Jairus would have spoken how he felt and how bad it was, things would have taken a completely different turn. Is it okay for us to talk about how bad we feel, and how difficult it is, and how rough it is in the middle of the challenge. It's not a wise idea. Not a wise idea at all. Because you could immediately begin to talk about fear-filled words. Now again, I'm talking about why you're believing God in the middle of a difficult situation like that. In the middle of being sidelined. Listen, there'll be times in our life when we're believing God, And all is well, and it seems out of nowhere we're sidelined by an evil report. It happens. We must practice resisting and refusing fear in our lives. In other words, we practice not speaking fear-filled words, no matter how tempted we are. And boy, I tell you, again, when you get bad news or a bad report or hear bad news about someone, what is that irresistible urge in you all of a sudden? To share it, right? To talk about it, to share it. Don't start spouting off faith statements in every scripture you can think of. That's another mistake I hear people do. What I mean is they get in a difficult situation and the devil is hounding them and then they start shouting every scripture they can think of. You're just doing it out of fear. You know, devil, stop this. And you stop that. And they just start, to, they're doing it out of fear. You're not helping yourself. Did Jairus do that? No. Just believe. In other words, fear not, don't say anything, just believe. The only thing you need to do when you're slammed against the wall and you've already released your faith and the pressure's on you, just believe. Just stay with what you already said, what you already prayed. Don't let go of it, okay? It didn't stop just because circumstances got worse. You understand what I'm saying? Does faith work? Right? Every time faith works, don't let go of your faith. Don't let go. No matter what, don't let go. And in this case, that means just be quiet and just believe. When you find yourself in that difficult position, as I mentioned, you've already prayed, you've already released your faith, then just trust God and His Word are working for you. Just be quiet. Just praise God. All is well. That's the only words that ought to come out of your mouth. Everybody say it with me. All is well. I mean, I I used to have a friend, that's what he'd say to everything, no matter what was going on. All is well. He developed a habit of doing that. All is well. Now, guess what? He would say that in the good times and in the bad times. He'd say it when things were looking good or bad, so you could never tell where he was at. Everybody should not know where you're at. Do you understand that? If you're really in faith, you know, and I'm believing God that all my finances are met and everything is paid and everything's taken. I'm not walking around, 
man, I sure hope things work out. You know, yay, the Lord. You know, right? You shouldn't look like that. No one, you should never be able to look in my life to see a problem, whether things are good or bad. You're just assuming things are always good. Why? Because I'm not walking around anywhere. <laughs> you know, or just whining, to just looking sullen. You know, the Bible says when you're fasting, fix your face up where you don't look like it. You understand what I'm saying? Don't look like everything's hanging on you. If you're in faith, <laughs> believe God. Amen? I tell you, that's good stuff, guys. Listen, what I wanted to say earlier, and I want to end with this. You've heard me say this before, but when your bucket's bumped, what splashes out is what you're full of. When I say bucket, because sometimes people hear that for the first time. Bucket, what? Splashing? What are you talking about? You know, We're talking about your heart. Everybody say the, the heart is like a bucket, okay? Now, what do you do with a bucket? You fill it up with something, right? And That's got a handle, and you carry a bucket around. Well, your heart is designed to be full of something, all right? And you carry it around. And how you um, use up what's in your bucket is by talking. So when we say, what, what's, um, when your bucket is bumped, what splashes out is what you're full of. So in other words, if you'll fill yourself up with the Word of God and you're going around in life, even when you don't need it, even when everything looks great and you fill yourself up and you fill yourself up and all of a sudden you run across something that runs crosswise and your mouth opens, what's going to splash out all over that problem, all over that situation? What you're full of, the Word of God. But man, I tell you, this, this is what I hear sometimes. Man, it never works for me. In other words, they'll start griping and complaining. Every time a good thing happens, something takes it away. Every time I get a little bit of extra, something breaks down. Every time I take a vacation, someone gets sick. Now, you some of you are looking at me like, come on now. I wasn't far from some of the things you've said in your own life. All right. Now, when we say these things and we say them, what are we doing? We're filling ourselves up. Why not fill ourselves up with the Word of God and let the Word splash all over something and never let a negative word out of our mouth? Isn't it to our advantage? If the power of life and death is in the tongue, then why would you ever want to let death out? In any way, shape, or form. Zip it. I'm not talking it. You know, you used to hear me say this. My, my wife does it to me, and my old pastor's wife did it to him. He would get angry, and you know, you just want to say it. I can't contain it anymore. You ever been there? And you just want to blow out, and it's always negative. And you're ready to blow, and she would put her hand right over his mouth real fast and said, honey, we cannot afford those words in this house. We can't afford, you can't afford those death-filled words in your life. You can't afford them. Just stop. Say, I'm not going to do it. Devil, you can push, you can do whatever you want, but my mouth is not going to say anything but life-giving words. It's not going to happen. And I'm telling you, the better you get at that, the more good things you're going to see in your life. I'm telling you, because I've seen it in my own life. I mean, very rarely will I say something out of line that I wish I wouldn't have said. And when I do, I quickly repent and adjust and get that cleared up. But the reality is, is that if you'll make a habit of only speaking life-filled things, especially when you're in difficult situations, 
you'll find that when you're full of the word, it just comes out. It's easy. It's not hard. But I'm telling you what, again, if you really do believe that the power of life and death is in the words that we speak, in the spoken word, then why would you ever want anything but life? I don't want anything that has anything to do with death. In any way, there's no good death, okay? Nothing about it. It's dark, it's twisted, it's evil, it's pain, right? It's poverty, it's lack, it's chaos. There's nothing good about it, so why let any of it in my mouth? And see, that's controlling our tongue. Think about Jesus. Do you ever think Jesus, I mean, you can't picture Jesus saying, complaining, you just can't picture Jesus complaining about the finances in the ministry and how every time I hire someone, he turns around and backstabs me and steals all my money. Even in the middle of Jesus having someone unintentionally sticking their hand in the bag and pulling money out, it didn't even make a hiccup in his ministry. Not a hiccup. Why? He kept his words in line. He walked in love. Think about it. You can't picture Jesus speaking death-filled words over anything, right? I'm telling you, well, that life-giving word is always coming out of him, took care of him even when things weren't good, even when things were a challenge.